Chapter 4, Part 1 of Sovereignty of God. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kimberly Dion. Sovereignty of God by Arthur Pink. Chapter 4, Part 1 The Sovereignty of God in Salvation. O oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways past finding out! Romans 11.33 Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah 2.9 But the Lord does not save all. Why not? He does save some. Then, if he saves some, why not others? Is it because they are too sinful and depraved? No, for the Apostle wrote, This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. 1 Timothy 1.15 Therefore, if God saved the chief of sinners, none are excluded because of their depravity. Why, then, does not God save all? Is it because some are too stony-hearted to be one? No, because it is written that God will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 11.19 Then is it because some are so stubborn, so intractable, so defiant, that God is unable to woo them to himself? Before we answer this question, let us ask another. Let us appeal to the experience of the Christian reader. Friend, was there not a time when you walked in the counsel of the ungodly, stood in the way of sinners, sat in the seat of scorners, and with them said, We will not have this man to reign over us? Luke 19.14 Was there not a time when you would not come to Christ that you might have life? John 5.40 Yea, was there not a time when you mingled your voice with those who said unto God, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways? What is the Almighty that we should serve him, and what profit should we have if we pray unto him. Job 21, 14 and 15 With shamed face, you have to acknowledge there was. But how is it that all is now changed? What was it that brought you from haughty self-sufficiency to a humble suppliant, from one that was at enmity with God to one that is at peace with him? from lawlessness to subjection, from hate to love, and as one born of the Spirit, you will readily reply, By the grace of God I am what I am. 1 Corinthians 15.10 Then do you not see that it is due to no lack of power in God, nor to his refusal to coerce man, that other rebels are not saved too? 
if god was able to subdue your will and win your heart and that without interfering with your moral responsibility then is he not able to do the same for others assuredly he is then how inconsistent how illogical how foolish of you in seeking to account for the present course of the wicked and their ultimate fate to argue that god is unable to save them that they will not let him do you say but the time came when i was willing willing to receive christ as my savior true but it was the lord who made you willing psalm 110 verse 3 and philippians 2:13 why then does he not make all sinners willing why but for the fact that he is sovereign and does as he pleases but to return to our opening inquiry why is it that all are not saved particularly all who hear the gospel do you still answer because the majority refuse to believe well that is true but it is only a part of the truth it is the truth from the human side but there is a divine side too and this side of the truth needs to be stressed or god will be robbed of his glory the unsaved are lost because they refuse to believe the others are saved because they believe but why do these others believe what is it that causes them to put their trust in christ is it because they are more intelligent than their fellows and quicker to discern their need of salvation perish the thought who maketh thee to differ from another and what hast thou that thou didst not receive now if thou didst receive it why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it first corinthians four seven it is god himself who maketh the difference between the elect and the non-elect for of his own it is written and we know that the son of god is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true first john five twenty faith is god's gift and all men have not faith second thessalonians three two therefore we see that god does not bestow this gift upon all upon whom then does he bestow this saving favor and we answer upon his own elect as many as were ordained to eternal life believed acts thirteen forty eight hence it is that we read of the faith of god's elect titus one one but is god partial in the distribution of his favors has he not the right to be are there still some who murmur against the good man of the house then his own words are sufficient reply is it not lawful for me to do what i will with mine own matthew twenty fifteen god is sovereign in the bestowment of his gifts both in the natural and in the spiritual realms 
so much then for a general statement and now to particularize one the sovereignty of god the father in salvation perhaps the one scripture which most emphatically of all asserts the absolute sovereignty of god in connection with his determining the destiny of his creatures is the ninth of romans we shall not attempt to review here the entire chapter but will confine ourselves to verses twenty one through twenty three hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honour and another unto dishonour what if god willing to show his wrath and to make his power known endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory these verses represent fallen mankind as inert and as impotent as a lump of lifeless clay this scripture evidences that there is no difference in themselves between the elect and the non-elect they are clay of the same lump which agrees with ephesians two three where we are told that all are by nature children of wrath it teaches us that the ultimate destiny of every individual is decided by the will of god and blessed it is that such be the case if it were left to our wills the ultimate destination of us all would be the lake of fire it declares that god himself does make a difference in the respective destinations to which he assigns his creatures for one vessel is made unto honour and another unto dishonour some are vessels of wrath fitted to destruction others are vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory we readily acknowledge that it is very humbling to the proud heart of the creature to behold all mankind in the hand of god as the clay in the potter's hand yet this is precisely how the scriptures of truth represent the case in this day of human boasting intellectual pride and deification of man it needs to be insisted upon that the potter forms his vessels for himself let man strive with his maker as he will the fact remains that he is nothing more than clay in the heavenly potter's hands and while we know that god will deal justly with his creatures that the judge of all the earth will do right nevertheless he shapes his vessels for his own purpose and according to his own pleasure god claims the indisputable right to do as he wills with his own not only has god the right to do as he wills with the creatures of his own hands but he exercises this right and nowhere is that seen more plainly than in his predestining grace before the foundation of the world god made a choice a selection an election before his omniscient eye stood the whole of adam's race and from it 
he singled out a people and predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son ordained them unto eternal life many are the scriptures which set forth this blessed truth seven of which will now engage our attention as many as were ordained to eternal life believed acts thirteen forty eight every artifice of human ingenuity has been employed to blunt the sharp edge of this scripture and to explain away the obvious meaning of these words but it has been employed in vain though nothing will ever be able to reconcile this and similar passages to the mind of the natural man as many as were ordained to eternal life believed here we learn four things first that believing is the consequence and not the cause of god's decree second that a limited number only are ordained to eternal life for if all men without exception were thus ordained by god then the words as many as are meaningless qualification third that this ordination of god is not to mere external privileges but to eternal life not to service but to salvation itself fourth that all as many as not one less who are thus ordained by god to eternal life will most certainly believe the comments of the beloved spurgeon on the above passage are well worthy of our notice said he attempts have been made to prove that these words do not teach predestination but these attempts so clearly do violence to language that i shall not waste time in answering them i read as many as were ordained to eternal life believed and i shall not twist the text but shall glorify the grace of god by ascribing to that grace the faith of every man is it not god who gives the disposition to believe if men are disposed to have eternal life does not he in every case dispose them is it wrong for god to give grace if it be right for him to give it is it wrong for him to purpose to give it would you have him give it by accident if it is right for him to purpose to give grace today it was right for him to purpose it before today and since he changes not from eternity even so then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace and if by grace then it is no more of works otherwise grace is no more grace but if it be of works then is it no more grace otherwise work is no more work romans eleven five and six the words even so at the beginning of this quotation refer to the previous verse where we are told i have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to baal note particularly the word reserved in the days of elijah 
there were seven thousand a small minority who were divinely preserved from idolatry and brought to the knowledge of the true god this preservation and illumination was not from anything in themselves but solely by god's special influence and agency how highly favored such individuals were to be thus reserved by god now says the apostle just as there was a remnant in elijah's day reserved by god even so there is in this present dispensation a remnant according to the election of grace here the cause of election is traced back to its source the basis upon which god elected this remnant was not faith foreseen in them because a choice founded upon the foresight of good works is just as truly made on the ground of works as any choice can be and in such a case it would not be of grace for says the apostle if by grace then it is no more of works otherwise grace is no more grace which means that grace and works are opposites they have nothing in common and will no more mingle than oil and water thus the idea of inherent good foreseen in those chosen or of anything meritorious performed by them is rigidly excluded a remnant according to the election of grace signifies an unconditional choice resulting from the sovereign favor of god in a word it is absolutely a gratuitous election for ye see your calling brethren how that not many wise men after the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called but god hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and god hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath god chosen yea and things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence first corinthians one twenty six through twenty nine three times over in this passage reference is made to god's choice and choice necessarily supposes a selection the taking of some and the leaving of others the chooser here is god himself as said the lord jesus to the apostles ye have not chosen me but i have chosen you john fifteen sixteen the number chosen is strictly defined not many wise men after the flesh not many noble etc which agree with matthew twenty sixteen so the last shall be first and the first last for many be called but few chosen so much then for the fact of god's choice now mark the objects of his choice the ones spoken of above as chosen of god are the weak things of the world base things of the world and things which are despised but why 
to demonstrate and magnify his grace god's ways as well as his thoughts are utterly at variance with man's the carnal mind would have supposed that a selection had been made from the ranks of the opulent and influential the amiable and cultured so that christianity might have won the approval and applause of the world by its pageantry and fleshly glory ah but that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of god luke sixteen fifteen god chooses the base things he did so in old testament times the nation which he singled out to be the depository of his holy oracles and the channel through which the promised seed should come was not the ancient egyptians the imposing babylonians nor the highly civilized and cultured greeks no that people upon whom jehovah set his love and regarded as the apple of his eye were the despised nomadic hebrews so it was when our lord tabernacled among men the ones whom he took into favored intimacy with himself and commissioned to go forth as his ambassadors were for the most part unlettered fishermen and so it has been ever since so it is today at the present rates of increase it will not be long before it is manifested that the lord has more in despised china who are really his than he has in the highly favored u s a more among the uncivilized blacks of africa than he has in cultured germany and the purpose of god's choice the raison d'etre of the selection he has made is that no flesh should glory in his presence there being nothing whatever in the objects of his choice which should entitle them to his special favors then all the praise will be freely ascribed to the exceeding riches of his manifold grace blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in christ according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him having predestined us unto the adoption of children by jesus christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will ephesians one three through five and eleven here again we are told at what point in time if time it could be called when god made choice of those who were to be his children by jesus christ it was not after adam had fallen and plunged his race into sin and wretchedness but long ere adam saw the light even before the world itself was founded that god chose us in christ here also we learn the purpose which god had before him in connection with his own elect it was that they should be holy and without blame before him it was 
unto the adoption of children. It was that they should obtain an inheritance. Here also we discover the motive which prompted him. It was in love that he predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, a statement which refutes the oft-made and wicked charge that for God to decide the eternal destiny of his creatures before they are born is tyrannical and unjust. Finally, we are informed here that in this matter he took counsel with none, but that we are predestined according to the good pleasure of his will. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Second Thessalonians 2.13 There are three things here which deserve special attention. First, the fact that we are expressly told that God's elect are chosen to salvation. Language could not be more explicit. How summarily do these words dispose of the sophistries and equivocations of all who would make election refer to nothing but external privileges or rank in service? It is to salvation itself that God hath chosen us. Second, we are warned here that election unto salvation does not disregard the use of appropriate means. Salvation is reached through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. It is not true that because God has chosen a certain one to salvation that he will be saved willy-nilly. Whether he believes or not, nowhere do the scriptures so represent it. The same God who predestined the end also appointed the means. The same God who chose unto salvation, decreed that his purpose should be realized through the work of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Third, that God has chosen us unto salvation is a profound cause for fervent praise. Note how strongly the Apostle expresses this. We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation, etc. Instead of shrinking hack in horror from the doctrine of predestination, the believer, when he sees this blessed truth as it is unfolded in the word, discovers a ground for gratitude and thanksgiving such as nothing else affords, save the unspeakable gift of the Redeemer himself who hath saved us, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. 2 Timothy 1.9 How plain and pointed is the language of holy writ! It is man who, by his words, darkeneth counsel, it is impossible to state the case more clearly or strongly than is stated here. 
our salvation is not according to our works. That is to say, it is not due to anything in us, nor the rewarding of anything from us. Instead, it is the result of God's own purpose and grace. And this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. It is by grace we are saved, and in the purpose of God this grace was bestowed upon us not only before we saw the light, not only before Adam's fall, but even before that far distant beginning of Genesis 1-1. And herein lies the unassailable comfort of God's people. If his choice has been from eternity, it will last to eternity. Nothing can survive to eternity but what came from eternity, and what has so come will. George S. Bishop Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1-2 Here again, election by the Father precedes the work of the Holy Spirit in and the obedience of faith by those who are saved, thus taking it entirely off creature ground and resting it in the sovereign pleasure of the Almighty. The foreknowledge of God the Father does not here refer to his prescience of all things, but signifies that the saints were all eternally present in Christ before the mind of God. God did not foreknow that certain ones who heard the gospel would believe it, apart from the fact that he had ordained these certain ones to eternal life. What God's prescience saw in all men was love of sin and hatred of himself. The foreknowledge of God is based upon his own decrees, as is clear from Acts 2.23. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Note the order here. First, God's determinate counsel, his decree. And second, his foreknowledge. So it is again in Romans eight twenty-eight and 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. But the first word here, for, looks back to the preceding verse, and the last clause of it reads, To them who are the called according to his purpose. These are the ones whom he did foreknow and predestinate. Finally, it needs to be pointed out that when we read in Scripture of God knowing certain people, the word is used in a sense of knowing with approbation and love. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. 1 Corinthians 8.3 To the hypocrites, Christ will yet say, I never knew you. He never loved them. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father signifies then, chosen by him as the special objects of his approbation and love. 
summarizing the teaching of these seven passages we learn that god has ordained to eternal life certain ones and that in consequence of his ordination they in due time believe that god's ordination to salvation of his own elect is not due to any good thing in them nor to anything meritorious from them but solely of his grace that god has designedly selected the most unlikely objects to be the recipients of his special favors in order that no flesh should glory in his presence that god chose his people in christ before the foundation of the world not because they were so but in order that they should be holy and without blame before him that having selected certain ones to salvation he also decreed the means by which his eternal counsel should be made good that the very grace by which we are saved was in god's purpose given us in christ jesus before the world began that long before they were actually created god's elect stood present before his mind were foreknown by him i e were the definite objects of his eternal love before turning to the next division of this chapter a further word concerning the subjects of god's predestinating grace we go over this ground again because it is at this point that the doctrine of god's sovereignty in predestining certain ones to salvation is most frequently assaulted perverters of this truth invariably seek to find some cause outside god's own will which moves him to bestow salvation on sinners something or other is attributed to the creature which entitles him to receive mercy at the hands of the creator we return then to the question why did god choose the ones he did what was there in the elect themselves which attracted god's heart to them was it because of certain virtues they possessed because they were generous-hearted sweet-tempered truth-speaking in a word because they were good that god chose them no for our lord said there is none good but one that is god matthew nineteen seventeen. was it because of any good works they had performed no for it is written there is none that doeth good no not one romans three twelve was it because they evidenced an earnestness and zeal in inquiring after god no for it is written again there is none that seeketh after god romans three eleven was it because god foresaw they would believe no for how can those who are dead in trespasses and sins believe in christ how could god foreknow some men as believers when belief was impossible to them scripture declares that we believe through grace acts eighteen twenty seven faith is god's gift and apart from this gift none would believe the cause of his choice then 
lies within himself and not in the objects of his choice he chose the ones he did simply because he chose to choose them sons we are by god's election who on jesus christ believe by eternal destination sovereign grace we now receive lord thy mercy doth both grace and glory give end of chapter four part one